I'm gonna steal from Vanessa. Hey y'all. If you missed out on the Game Toppers Kickstarter, don't despair. You can still go over to their store and order up some good stuff. Or you knows you might be able to get that late pledge in. You better go check it out at the Kickstarter page for Game Toppers or go straight to their website at GameToppersLLC.com. They've got everything you need to pretty up that table for when it's time to play a game. Recently, I had my Game Topper set up with After the Empire. Now, Marty, that game is a hefty one. Having all those boards out there, that big center board, and then having those pieces everywhere. I had my Watson set up. It kept everything nicely contained, not knocked on the floor, kept the dogs from sniffing it. It did a great job. I loved having it there. Had the drink holders right there on the side so that none of the cardboards for when I returned that game to you got messed up. Nobody spilled a drink on it. I was very excited about that. And it was really nice to have that very cool adventure playmat underneath it. It kind of set the theme. So I was very excited to be able to use my game topper to play After the Empire. But once again, if you missed out on the Kickstarter, be sure to head over to their website at GameToppersLLC.com. Hey y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review 300 Earth and Water and Egyptians, the latest expansion to Empires of the North. We also get the latest tabletop news, and you can find out how your favorite dad joke could win you a $25 gift card to Miniature Market. Pay Marty $25 not to tell a joke. Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 230, Walking on Sunshine. I'm Tony. You caught me right as I took a bite of a fiber one bar. Boy, that's going to make tonight's bathroom visit fun. <laughs> no, no, no. I usually have one fiber one. It's, it, look, it's a snack. It is a Weight Watchers friendly snack. There's only 70 calories in this little... And it's, it's actually a protein bar, not if I don't know what it is. It's just a local. Hey, I'm Marty. Why even bother eat those things? I just need something. I'm starving. So it's just a little snack just to tide me over. And it's like, well, you know, you should eat a piece of fruit. I agree. I just didn't have any fruit in the house. Typically, I like to have a banana. Which we have learned from previous Rolling Dice and Taking episodes that there is a blight taking out the banana crops. And the bananas that we know will not taste the same later. So enjoy them while you can. I am coming to everyone from the sunny Bradenton, Florida studio. It's probably one of the most uncomfortable ways of recording. I have to lean over. I'm a bed and oh, it's, it's a mess. So you're saying we have remote studios around the country. That's pretty sweet. Uh, we absolutely do. Sometimes we have them in Indianapolis, Bradenton, uh, your, the home office in uh, Waxhaw in Charlotte, and let's see, we've recorded in Atlanta. Um, I'm trying to think of all the places I've recorded and we've done uh, hotel bathroom sounds. And speaking of which, Gen Con tickets went on sale this week at, a, at half capacity. And I thought, well, they sell out very quick. So they have been open for available for about a day now, over a day, and they're still available. So they're not selling out even at half capacity. So I didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't know there's going to be a huge rush since it's limited attendance or whether there's still a lot of hesitancy 
and there's there's no rush at all. So as it stands now, there's no rush at this point. A lot of that is people are debating, is it worth it? I know mm-hmm. I am. If publishers aren't going to be there, and Ignacy did a blog, I think it was today, talking about the publishers not being there. I haven't watched it mm-hmm. yet. By the way, that's at uh, portalgamesus.com, portalgamesus.com. Well, it's at their YouTube channel. If all these people are dropping out, First off, it maybe the floor won't be as crowded. You'll be able to talk to the smaller publishers. That's nice. I'm I'm on the fence on this. I am too. I see the benefit of the you know, all of a sudden Ignacy's gone from, you know, the medium publisher to he's now one of the bigger ones maybe on the floor. From his point of view, it may be, hey, this is great for us because and we'll get into it in the next segment about all the the big companies who are who are backing out. Uh, this is a good time that uh, maybe I can get some exposure. But I, there was a survey that came out last week. I don't know if you saw from Gen Con where they're asking, all right, let's do mm-hmm. another survey. What requirements are to attend? Do you need to be masked? Do you need to be vaccinated and stuff? So they haven't posted the results of that survey. So I'm wondering if they're thinking about, are they going to tweak the requirements? You know, now we're talking in September, October. At this point, CDC has now said, if you're vaccinated, you do not need to mask at all. So that will that come into play in their decision-making. I don't know. And may it be a while before they actually decide, but I think there's so many unknowns that like you said, people are like, eh, I don't know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. So it'll just be really interesting to see uh, what people do, right? Depending on the vendors that we're going to talk about soon and, and the different protocols that's going to be in place, uh, what people do, but you know what? I'm just going to be looking forward to at that point in time, hopefully next year when things are totally back to normal Everything's open. Everybody's going to be there. And we'll just see how this year goes. I think I'm off tonight because I'm not in my comfy E-Win racing chair. (laughs) I I am just so out of sync with you right now. It's unbelievable. I mean, I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm going through my wife's hotspot. I'm waiting for it to die out. This this show, I mean, we thought it was going off the rails last episode when I started talking about nubby soap. I swear, if there's any topic like that this time, I'm done. I'm just going to press stop and be done with it. So back to the Gen Con, I was thinking, what a great promotional item. Get some soap. Some RDTN labeled soap. We probably know people that can that can do that for us if we want. A little nubby soap. So it's funny. So after that episode, people contacted us and said, you know, that's called massage soap. And I went, yeah, that's what it's called. Massage soap because it's for massaging. It's not for making sure it doesn't stick to the soap dish. It's just massage soap. And I said that in that episode, that that's, you know, what, what it's supposed to be used for. But I was thinking about, think about it would get rid of the con funk. I'm like, this is brilliant. Let's see how this works. But we also had a contest in the last episode. Mm-hmm. We got lots of entries. And now that this episode is released, the contest is closed. And we're going to be picking a winner from all those entries. And... Uh, if you're listening, here are the answers to that episode. So what we did was uh, each of the bumpers leading into the Vampire Masquerade theme reviews was from a Castlevania game. And the contest was name the title of the song and you can uh, have a chance to win a $25 gift certificate. And you could even enter if you didn't even know the name of the song. You just get more entries if you know. So here's what the answers were. The very first song is Bloody Tears which is probably the most famous of all Castlevania songs because it's used in several games. It was in the uh, Netflix series, which currently Adam and I just started watching season four. We're going to be doing a live stream uh, on our YouTube channel reviewing Castlevania 
the series and season four. So that'll be fun. The next song on there was Abandoned Castle, which is my favorite song from the Castlevania series. And the last song was Dracula's Castle, uh, which is used in several games. And if you play Smash Ultimate, uh, it is a song used in the castle fighting uh, zone in that game. So there you go. Bloody Tears, Abandoned Castle, and Dracula's Castle. And Castlevania, honestly, in my opinion, has some of the best video game music of all time. Having not played any of those, I will defer to your opinion on that. Did you not play any on the DS? No. Or the Game Boy? Side-scrollers aren't my thing. It's not a side-scroller. Does it have, do you go from left to right? It's a Metroidvania game. It's not Mario. Here it is. Here it is. You called Zelda a side-scroller at certain times. Okay. So for me, anything that is a jumping platform, I will get the terms right from now on. A jumping platform game is not my kind of game. But it's not only that, but it's also combat. And lots of times platformers don't have combat like Mario does not. Yeah, never mind. I guess you could say if he lands on top of a turtle and turns upside down, I guess you could consider that combat. And then he picks him up and launches him. And hits a whole bunch of mushrooms. Yeah, so never mind. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. But also, the very, very classic term of a side-scroller means you're always moving from left to right. Okay. And uh, Metroid and Castlevania introduced the concept of going back to where you've already been. A lot of Metroid Castlevania games are revisiting places that you've already been. Okay, all right. Very good then. Well, I, that's fine. Because I'm not going to go get them. I, can't, I don't have anything to play them. <laughs> So I'm not going to worry about this unless my DS, my 3D DS or whatever it is, will allow me to play them. Your three double DS? Yeah, my three double D. Whatever the DS is that I have, I don't have anymore. My daughter has because I shipped it to her because she wanted one. But I was actually advancing in my video console collection. I was able through through our game buddy, Bert, he able was able to secure me a PlayStation 5 GameStop bundle. And I was so excited by this because I was moving into the 2020s, getting something that, you know, is hard to get. And what do you say to me, sir? Uh, you don't really don't need one. It's not new. There's no, I mean, there's not that really great games right now. I would just kind of hold off until some really good exclusives come out. If I could have strangled you through Slack... I would have done it. I told you a long time ago, you didn't need a PlayStation 5. That's not the first time I said that. No, but you've hyped it up. No, I haven't. Have I hyped it up on here? I have not hyped it. I mean, it's cool. I haven't played a game on the PlayStation 5 in months. That's because you're too busy on the Switch. So that's what I'm saying. You didn't need one. You could hold a held off. Sucks. <laughs> I told you early on, because I, I sat there and thought, I can't believe he's investing in a PlayStation 5. Now, you did say you wanted a Blu-ray player. Yeah, I, I did. This was an expensive Blu-ray player, Ooh. but I mean, at least you do have a Blu-ray player. Well, I'm excited from the standpoint of what may be coming. Also, I've never owned any PlayStation. None. Ah, this is your first one. Okay, well, you know what? There is a good library of games. <laughs> it was funny. You texted last week. And you, you asked, does the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4 games? And I told Bert, let me have some fun with this and tell him he has to buy an adapter first. <laughs> 
You almost had me. You almost had me on that one. You almost baited me on that one. But that was a quick Google search. I said, there is no way that they would be that stupid. There are some solid, solid PlayStation 4 games. Um, If you want a... uh, I don't know how you feel about story games, but Last of Us 1 is a really good story game. Uh, God of War uh, was an excellent... I mean, there's a lot of games on the PlayStation 4 that you need to go back and look up that are that are really good. Oh, you've never experienced any PlayStation games. You've got un- the Uncharted series. You've got a lot, a lot out there. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm kind of excited. I can, I'm going into the PlayStation. I got away. I mean, the last big console I bought was the Xbox 360 aside from the Switch. Mm-hmm. So I've got a lot of gaming to catch up on, which means I can get rid of my board gaming. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, something's got to give here, man. My time is limited. Well, what? You play board games once a week. Right. Oh, wait a minute. Blue okay. Blood season finale is going on. So I'll be good. I got some time now. That's that's on a Friday night though, right? Or is it move nights? It's, fr- it's uh, Friday night. That's it's Friday, Friday night. So see, yeah, our gaming night's typically Thursday night. Uh, absolutely. So so when you did that, I was like, Marty, 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 you're killing me here. You're absolutely killing me. But I was like, oh, I mean, you've already got me buying a PlayStation. See, I, you you keep saying I got you buying. I ain't got you buying nothing. I was trying to help you find one. You wanted one. That sort of thing is a quest for me. It's like, ooh, can I help find that hard to find thing? I like doing that sort of thing. And then you got me back into comics. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, okay. Why, I don't know why you keep laying this at my feet. Tony, would you mind going by the comic book store and picking me up this book because my local comic book store I used to go to was gone? Sure, Marty, I will. You got me buying comics. I don't know how we got from point A to point B. If you can't resist walking into a comic book store without buying something on your own, don't lay that at my feet. You know, I gave it up. I was cold turkey on this. I had given it up completely and I had sold off all of them. And then all of a sudden, you know how... Um, what's the term where you go do something because your friends say it? Jump off a cliff? Yeah, that kind of, you're, 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 I'm impressionable. You know, I'm very impressionable. Me. <laughs> oh, are you? <laughs> I'm very impressionable. Wow. This is, y'all, this is a side that I'm not used to. I, y'all don't know what you're drinking down in Florida. There must be some funny water in Florida or it's, something. It's got sulfur in it. So anyway, but so look at this. I'm showing you something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so what He's holding up a copy. He's holding up a number one issue of Berserker, which is basically the comic book I wanted Tony to go pick me up. The very first time I wanted to go pick me up something is from Keanu Reeves. It's a book that he's writing. And it was it just sounded like a very interesting story to me. I said, Tony, would you at least go get me issue one? And then I'm going to wait for the graphic novel to come out. And I guess you found a copy of it and uh, picked it up. Yeah, I was down here in Florida and near where my in-laws live, there is a store. And it's, um, I'm not going to say the name of it because this leads into the next segment for me is it said um, such and such as games and comics. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I walked in there and he had a rack of these and I'm like, dude, I said, well, how much is this? Because, you know, they're going for like $20, $25 up in Charlotte. Wow. And and he was like, it's, it's, you know, the cover price. I said, okay. And you got all these variants and he doesn't charge an extra dollar for variants. But my question is, you put on your sign over so-and-so's games and comics. 
Mm-hmm. And I felt like I got bait and switched. You had a sign that said games and comics. By your definition, if you have games in a store, what do you think is the lowest definition of a game that you should be allowed to put it on a sign? Lowest definition? Yeah. What, well, I mean, what if, should if it, they have in there? when you? If I told you, hey, Marty, go to Tony's Games and Comics, when you walk in, what do you expect to see? More than likely, I would say it would be tabletop games at this point. I could also potentially see video games, like used video games, but at least tabletop games. Okay. Uh, and I, it might have been even board games and comics. So anyway, but anyway, so he's got that on there. I walk in there. He's got some boxes of magic cards. Okay. A few Warhammer, some Pokemon Battle. Okay. And then a rack of comics. And that's it. I mean, if he's into magic, that's that's what he's considering. I mean, so it could be a it could be a magic store. Maybe it's a Friday night magic store. So I went in on Friday night thinking that very thing. Well, I mean, I don't think they're running Friday Night Magic. I don't think Wizards... Okay. Oh, my gosh. This this is not $5. I don't know that that's been reestablished at this point because of the pandemic. Oh, okay. I know that their Wizards is cranking that up, but I don't know if every store is now running Friday Night Magic events yet. Okay. Because, yeah, nobody was in there. They were busy watching YouTube videos, and they were also playing... There were five people. Uh, there, there were only two tables in there. They played. They were playing D&D. Okay. But I was like, where are the board games? You know, I'm looking around for, I'm, I'm, that's what I was expecting. And that mm-hmm. was very snobbish of me. I shouldn't have been thinking like that. Well, I mean, it's, I, I understand why you would, because as a gamer, you would think, okay, games probably means this. But I guess it was only a certain niche of games, CCGs, a few miniature games. And did they carry uh, D&D since they were playing? They had, they had the D&D. Yep, they had some D&D. And they had the big vampire D&D. Is there the vampire box? I think you got it at one time. Oh, yeah. The, the uh, uh, Ravenloft? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, Curse of uh, Strahd. Curse of Strahd. Yep, yep. 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 So they had that. But, but of course, I bought the comic. And mm-hmm. because I thought, hey, well, you know, we'll see how this goes. But also support the guy. And I was like, you know, you, you can't ever tell a book by its cover. Except the book you just bought, which is issue number one of Berserker. Uh, Berserker. And they also almost picked up annual Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man number one, which I don't understand how that works because I've seen Amazing Spider-Man annual number one. So they started renumbering it. I'm so confused. Uh, Did you actually see, speaking of comics, did you see in April that they released the top 20 graphic novels sold in April? This is ICV2. No. It was all manga. Not one Marvel or DC book was on that list. Hey, I'm not surprised the way that you're seeing it on Netflix and the shows you're talking about. I'm surprised. We're we're talking no DC or Marvel in the top 20. No Batman, no X-Men, no Spider-Man, all manga. And it makes me think, it's like, oh, this this is interesting. Are the big boys, even with their movies and their TV shows and their streaming services... It's just interesting that they can't even get a one of their books. And now this isn't individual issues. This is graphic novels. So this, you know, there is a difference there. They can't get one of those into the top twenty. Just interesting. It shows you how big the the Japanese uh, the products, the anime and manga, are are picking up in the Western world. And you even see it on video games. There's a lot of really, really good Japanese games that are like, like coming out on the Switch that are mm-hmm. just super popular. So I think that's cool. I think that's cool that the West is really starting to appreciate 
a lot of the art and pop culture stuff that's coming out of Japan. Yeah, I clicked on something on the Switch that was on sale, and I'm like, is this, wait, what, is Monster Hunter Girls? What is this? Got to be careful. There's some, uh, <laughs> there's some risque stuff coming out of there, too, coming out uh, out of there. Now, do, do you like JRPGs? Have you ever played a JRPG, like a Fire Emblem? Yes, I've played Fire Emblem, and I've played, um, uh, I consider... Um, Skies over Arcadia. I think that was the name of the yeah. one I played. Okay. Do you like that style, the turn-based combat? I mean, which is kind of like Pokemon. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. I, I mean, you know, as long as it's a good story and it's um, it's not tedious. Po- Pokemon gets tedious. No, it does. It does. That, that's that's cool. I'll do. Um, I, the the boys are really into JRPGs, and I'll have to find out some of the ones that they they really enjoy. But um, no, I, I wouldn't mind. Maybe checking out. I mean, obviously, you, you got your Final Fantasies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've actually never played any of the Final Fantasies, but anyway, kind of want to squirrel there for a second. But I just think it's interesting that uh, with the state of the comics, that it's a uh, manga that's kind of taking over here. And you were worried about this show being short. And look at that. I've already killed 20 minutes easily. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And before we jump out of this segment, we had mentioned a contest uh, earlier. We're actually going to do another contest this episode because this episode is going to drop right before Father's Day. A common meme or a common thing that's been going on the past several years is basically dad jokes. Now, a dad joke is one of those eye-rolling type jokes that your parents or you may say and your dad and your kids go, oh, are you serious? It's like, why don't crabs give to charity? Because they're shellfish. Mm-hmm. What did the evil chicken lay? Deviled eggs. So, you know, it is very punny type stuff. So here's the contest, everyone. Send us your best dad joke. Send us your best dad joke that either give us gives us an actual laugh or the biggest eye roll. And we'll give you a $25 gift certificate to Miniature Market. Once again, we'll create a form, put it out there, or just make it easy. If you want to, you can email us at rolldicetakenames at gmail.com. Rolldicetakenames at gmail.com. Give us your best dad joke. On the next episode, we'll read some dad jokes. And we'll pick one that uh, we like the best and uh, make them the winner. How hard? No, never mind. I was going to say, if your dad joke has a squirrel theme to it, I'll give you an extra point, but that'll take me some work. So no, I don't want to do any work. (laughs) So this episode comes out on June 1st. So if we want to have this in the following episode, please have your jokes to us by June 12th, Saturday, June 12th. And so that we, when we record in the next couple of days after that, we'll have a chance to read over the jokes and, and get them on the air. Now, obviously, these are going to be read on the air, so make sure they're clean. I, well, we'll make sure they're clean. If they're not clean, they won't be on the air. Again, you can email us at rawdicetakenames at gmail.com. Uh, we'll create a little form if you want to go that way and you don't want to share your email or contact us via email. That's fine, too. Uh, so a couple of different ways to enter. Again, best dad joke. We'll pick one. gift card to Miniature Market, which you're probably going to want as we roll into virtual con season, as we're going to talk about in the next segment, Tony. There's some companies out there coming out with some pretty cool games later on this summer. Guess what, Tony? Miniature Market is now on TikTok. I'm waiting for Marty to be on TikTok. 
No, Marty don't need to be on no TikTok, but I think you want to go follow Miniature Market if you're on TikTok. It's at miniature underscore market. I don't know if they're doing dances out there or little cute skits. I'm not sure. I need to check out the TikTok-y thingies to see what's going on. But anyway, they have a TikTok channel now. And along with that, they got a bunch of amazing games coming out. And I don't know if you know this, everybody, but they also carry folded space inserts for organizing your games and everything. And we're going to be talking about the expansion for Empires of the North later on in the episode. And I am getting the folded space insert for Empires of the North that will hold all these expansions because Tony, you saw the box. The box is getting kind of full and I couldn't mm -hmm. get the lid all the way on. Now, Ignacy said if you pack it right, you can get everything in there. And I'm sure there's probably a way to do it. But you know, I'm gonna check out this uh, folded space insert and uh, see how it how it works for me. So if you want to find out more about all of those inserts, follow them on TikTok. Make sure to go over to miniaturemarket.com. Over the past several weeks, there has been a lot of board gaming news drop, Tony, and we kind of teased this in the opening segment. One of those is there are a lot of big vendors that are not going to be at Gen Con this year. Last week, it was announced that Asmodee, and that includes everybody under Asmodee, Z-Man Games, Fantasy Flight Games, etc., will not be going to Gen Con. Paizo, who makes Pathfinder, will not be going to Gen Con. Ultra Pro will not be going to Gen Con. And if you think about how the Gen Con floor is laid out, right when you walk in the door, what is the first thing you see? You can see the big Paizo booth with all their Pathfinder stuff, and then spread out all across the front is FFG, Asmodee, Z-Man, all gone. I'm just waiting for, if Simon drops, oh, I'm sorry, come on, drops, then that's a whole nother section gone right there. But maybe that gives people more space to spread out. This may not be a negative thing. And no, it may not be. It may not be. And it may be people aren't bumping in into stuff and each other and stuff like that. But I think this is one of those things. And we talked about uh, Ignacy doing a talk. And he gave some of the reasons why publishers may not choose to go. One is obviously a decreased number of people going. Uh, so then you got you got to weigh the cost. And from what I've heard is Gen Con's not giving a discount on the booths. You're still paying full price for booths for half the attendance. So vendors are maybe going, why would I want to spend all this money if I know that the foot traffic is going to be a lot lower than normal? And they say it's usually a loss anyway. You don't make that much money at Gen Con. Asmodee, Fancy Flight, they have a lot of volunteers and they probably were going to have a lot of trouble getting a bunch of volunteers together. Think about just the FFG booth alone and how they have all those tables of all those mm -hmm. people running demos. That would be kind of tough to coordinate. Can you get enough people that would want to volunteer under the current situation and everything like that? So a lot of big boys said, you know what? We'll just see you guys next year. And a lot of them are just going online and doing an online event. And plus, they didn't have Gen Con last year. So what was hurt? Did it hurt their bottom line? So they can do a little analysis and say, you know what? We didn't do that. We didn't get hurt by this. So... We don't need to do, we don't need to be there. And actually, Ignacy brought that up. He said, now it'll be interesting in 2022, if some of these people who have not tended the past two years, if they look at their bottom line and you go, what? We don't need to go to the show. 
some vendors may decide, and he gave a good example, a Stonemaier Games never has a booth at Gen Con, and he says it's not hurting them at all, and it's mm-hmm. true. So some of these companies may forego that. I mean, I don't, Fantasy Flight's always exciting because they have their um, you know, in-flight report where they do big announcements and stuff, but... Today's fantasy flight's not the same fantasy flight Mm-mm. it was a couple years ago. You know, they've they've rolled off the RPG segment. They've rolled off the miniature segment. They don't have as much to talk about anymore. But anyway, kind of rambling. The fact is, is a lot of these uh, companies may decide, you know what? Eh, like you said, wasn't worth it. We'll just stay home and instead take the money that we were going to use for Gen Con and use it for other types of marketing. Right. And does that give us the ability to want to play more games? Going to Gen Con was also in the evening being able to play the games. So it will be interesting to see those individuals who may have like big game rooms, what they decide to do. Prime example, uh, Paizo, they always have a big hall for Pathfinder. Well, now they're not going to be there. So there's a one hall that wouldn't even be used this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is BGG going to be there? They always had that huge conference room in the hotel. Are they thinking about, well, do we want to put ourselves subject to any risk? Oh, that's, that's a good point. I have not heard from them. And you mentioned come on. And I've seen a couple of people say that, you know, come on, come on's not going, but I haven't seen an official statement and maybe I've just missed it because that was another obvious one I thought when it comes to floor space, they take up a lot of floor space also. You know, we'll just, it's, it's a watch and wait. I think that's where we're all at. Watch and wait, see what happens. And like you said, there, there's, Business decisions is going to be made out of this. Maybe what you've what we thought was you've always got to be at Gen Con. You go, eh, you know what? Maybe you don't. So I'd be interesting to hear what our listeners think. Hey, go over to our BGG Guild and, and give us your thoughts. Or in our Discord channel. Or in the Discord channel. Either one works. But even regardless of the fact that There's no such word as irregardless. I, I was going, I was saying regardless, not irregardless, <laughs> re, uh, regardless, there's still awards to be announced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aside from the Squirrelies, which are the most prestigious awards, mm-hmm. the Spiel de Zara nominees uh, just came out. You know, they have three categories. They have their main Spiel de Zara. They have one for kids and they had the Kidder Spiel, which is kind of the more complex games. And the main Spiel de Zara, what was nominated is Robin Hood from Cosmos, which is not here in the U.S. yet. But I'm sure they'll be pushing it to get it over here now. And that's a co-op game uh, that I had read about earlier this year. Micro Macro Crime City um, by Spellwise and Pegasus Spiel. That's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen it, Tony. It's almost like a Where's Waldo type uh, murder mystery. You, you have this big picture and you're trying to find things on the map. People who've played it said they love it. And then another game called Zombie Teens, which I had never even heard of. I've never heard of these I mean, I've heard of Robin Hood. I hadn't heard of Micro Macro, but you're right. Zombie Teens? No, nothing here. So it'll be it'll be exciting news to find out the winner. I'm betting on Micro Macro. That has ever since that was been released, people love that game. So I'm I'm expecting that one. The one that uh, you know, a little more complex games was Fantasy Realms from WizKids, uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak from CGE, and Paleo. Now, I don't think it's any surprise that my game of the year for Squirrelies is also nominated for Spiel des Lost Ruins of Arnak. So I'm hoping that one wins just to put it in good company with the Squirrelies. I think you got a good shot at that, though. Fantasy Realms? 
Was that that card game we played? It sure was. And that is exciting for WizKids to have this game. And what I couldn't understand was that game has been out for a few years here, but maybe it just showed up in Europe and maybe that's why it got nominated because it just now got over there. I'm not sure, but that's the game uh, that we played where you play a card, take a card into your hand and then try to score the most points. They just came out with the new expansion that we covered on our episode a few weeks ago. It is very hard to find now. Uh, Fantasy Realms has been number one on the BGG hotness for a while. I reached out to them and told them congratulations. They immediately wrote back, yeah, we need to print some more of these because <laughs> it's an inexpensive game and it's one of those when it's nominated for a award like this, it's going to sell really well and it honestly is a solid card game. Great to put in your pocket and play at any time. So congratulations to Wids Kids for getting nominated for that. And Paleo is a cooperative game that um, it's it's by Hans and Glick, and it's a game about surviving in the Stone Age. Once mm-hmm. again, a survival game, cooperative s- survival game. So I haven't played that one. I haven't even seen this one. Have you seen this one? I have seen it because I saw Shut Up and Sit Down do a segment on it. Okay. Uh, that's the only reason why. So it, it looks it looks like an interesting game, but I ha- haven't played it, so I, I really can't speak to that one. But I have played the other two, or we have. We have. Yes, we have. I'd, I'd be interested in playing Paleo and see how it compares to Robinson. Or, I mean, Stone Age, it's not cooperative, but it's along the same collect resources and all, but you're, not, you're competing for victory points. So interesting. I, right. I, I'd like to see that one too. So work on that. You need to get us a copy somehow. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll go buy it. Who knows? <laughs> and speaking of games that who knows might be nominated next year, uh, we had a nice talk with Robinsberger, and they were talking about some of the games that's going to be coming out uh, this year. And one of them was just announced is from their famous villainous series. They have a new version of that coming out called Mischief and Malice. Got some of your favorite Marvel characters, Marvel villains in it. Loki, Madoc, and Madam Mask, who I had never heard of. I've never heard of Madam Mask. You know who Modoc is, right? He's the guy that rides in the chair, right? That's Thanos. He's the big brained mm-hmm. uh, guy. And it actually has a show coming out on Hulu, an animated show with Patton Oswalt voicing him. And it's uh, it's supposed to be like a comedy. Who's the hero that goes against him? I don't even know. I've, I, re- I remember seeing him, but I don't even know. Do you? I have no idea. I, I don't. I, okay. I don't remember all the time who, who is his main nemesis or his main uh, person against him. But yeah, those are the three villains that's going to be in this. And as always, these is a standalone game or can be uh, mixed with others. It's going to be coming out in August, which would be your typical Gen Con time frame. And uh, pre-order should be up now. So if you like villainous, you want to check out Mischief and Malice. And I believe, if I remember correctly from our meeting, they also said that you could mix it in with the Infinity Gauntlet series. Mm, okay. So that was that big box that we got that was that when I played it, I remember my wife thinking, man, this is complicated. So don't be, you know, all villainous, Robinsburg. That's that simple, you know, Disney game. No, 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 no. These are very challenging games and with loki the way she was explaining it that sounded kind of interesting in how that he would achieve his victory points unfortunately my notes are not on this computer or i would be able to tell you what those are i do just (laughs) i do a disservice to it 
I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but make sure to keep an ear out for uh, Ravensburger and some other announcements that they're going to have later out through the year. But this is one of the first big ones that uh, come out. And again, people love their villainous games. And if you like villainous, you got another version coming to the table soon. Now, the next piece of news is not about the podcast called Rain in Hell. That's when you listen to this. No, it's not. It's not a rain. No, it's some game that Marty can tell you all about. Marty, Rain in Hell. So there's a there is a miniature channel, YouTube channel that I followed for years. It's uh, Tabletop Minions, and it's hosted by a gentleman who calls himself Uncle Adam. A T O M. Fantastic channel. This guy knows his stuff. He does usually about. Um, uh, one show a week, like on Fridays, he talks about miniatures games. He talks about uh, just the hobby in general. He has Twitch streams where he does painting and everything. Uh, so now he is working together uh, with another designer uh, whose name is Vince Venturella. And they're coming out with a skirmish miniatures game called Rain in Hell. R-E-I-G-N. This is a fast-paced, brutal miniature agnostic skirmish game set in hell. Now, what miniature agnostic means, there's not going to be a line of miniatures for this game. And instead, you can go out to, you know, Reaper miniatures, or if you have other miniatures lying around that you want to use for this game, feel free to use those. And in this game, you lead a cabal, a group of demons, on a quest to reshape the face of hell according to your philosophy. The game can be played as a one-off engagement or as part of a longer campaign. Over time, your cabal will grow in power and attract or evolve more powerful demons. So that's the theme of the game is you're playing as demons. And I just now honestly got the PDF right before we started recording. I reached out to Adam, Uncle Atom, A-T-O-M. His real name is Adam, A-D-M. He sent me the PDF to check out because it's going to be coming out available on Drive Through RPG on Friday. Yeah, it's a fantastic site. By the time this episode drops, it will be available there for purchase. You can pay $10 for the 64-page PDF. That's why I have not had a chance to look through it because there's a lot of rules in this game. It's very in-depth. It's a D6-based system. And then I think it was like 1d12 or either 1d12 or 1d10 for every demon that you have. But I haven't seen what those dice are used for. So anyway, $10 for the PDF uh, and $15 plus shipping uh, for the print-on-demand book if you actually want a a copy of it. They have a website, uh, rainandhellgame.com, fulfilled by Wargame Vault. But again, it will be available on DriveThruRPG. That's where I got it. So I just want to give a shout-out to him because he does an amazing job on his channel. He's been around for years. He's well-known, well-respected in the community. And this guy really knows his miniature games, so I can't wait to read through the rules and see how this game plays. Plus, the theme sounds cool. I haven't seen anybody take on the idea. It's like you're playing as demons. Usually, you're playing against demons, mm-hmm. but here, you are demons. So, it looks kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, this will be interesting. I can't wait for you to read it, and maybe someday we'll have a, um, oh, I don't know, an RPG night. Someday. Yeah, well. Or a miniatures night or something like that. Yeah. And what I like is the skirmish game. I love it. It's only seven to 10 miniatures. It plays on a small surface area, 22 by 30. So it's one of those that's kind of like war cry where you kind of get in and play 30 minutes to an hour long game and you're done. And I'm sorry, you did say miniatures, but when you said drive through RPG, my brain locked in on that. What can I say? Speaking of another rain in hell, this TCG Pokemon crap. 
I'm I'm done with this. Boy, the stories just keep getting stranger, isn't it? And I know we keep talking about it, y'all, but it just it it's always something new. So Tony, you had sent me an article uh, about Target. We had said that Target mm-hmm. was pulling their products off the shelf, but that's not necessarily true. Well, they're they're pulling them until they can figure out how to protect their employees and their customers in a way that you don't have the Twitter video you sent um, of the people rushing into Walmart to clean the shelves of Pokemon cards, which is just ridiculous. And they're saying, you know, they've de- Target has supported this for a long, long time. And they've got, inve- I mean, 24 feet in Target is a lot of space for something. You know, they talk about yes. that. That's what they've got for it. And they're like, well, we got to get it back on the shelf, but we don't want to create what you sent a Twitter video of a bunch of, I'm, I'm going to be nice, people getting, uh, just loading up shopping carts worth of Pokemon. No, it was idiots. This was posted on Pokemon News. This is like an official Pokemon Twitter channel, basically showing like what you said, these idiots running into Walmart as soon as the doors open, pushing their buggies down to the aisle where Pokemon was just stocked. And basically they're raking in Pokemon cards into their cart, pushing each other. One guy who was taking the video said, forget this, I'm not getting in this mess. And what ticks me off about this, these aren't the people that's going to go home and play the game. Mm -mm. These aren't people that's not even just wanting to collect. All they're wanting to do is make a quick buck because of the supply and demand of Pokemon cards, which we have talked about on previous episodes. There's a huge demand for old and new Pokemon cards, and you can't keep these things in stock. And the same thing with sports cards, too. Uh, The Twitter account Pokemon News said, if you're lucky enough to spot Pokemon cards in the wild, please be respectful and leave some for other trainers. Everybody deserves to enjoy the hobby and not have it ruined by scalpers. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's And that's exactly what these people are. You know what, Pokemon producer? Flood the market and they can be like the people who have 400 rolls of toilet paper stuck in their house. Yeah. Make yeah. it worthless. But it, it, here's the thing, though, Tony. In the article that you sent, I believe that uh, places like uh, some of the publishers, I think Panini was one, mm-hmm. and Tops saying they're going to start jacking up the prices of the yep. product. I understand that because their idea is if we jack up the price of the product, then the margins that the scalpers will make aren't that large and hopefully deter the demand. But then for the common kid or something just wants demand, I just want to collect my set of baseball cards. Now you're pricing them out. You took Economics 101 at North Carolina State. When demand drops, what happens to prices? Yeah, I understand that. But then... Well, you know, once somebody sets a price of something, does it ever go down? Gas does. Supply and demand, man. You watch it go up and down all the time. Well, maybe it would. And I would hope that if, let's say somebody like Tops is saying, all right, you know, we usually charge three bucks for a pack of cards. Now we're charging five. And let's say that they start to see, you know, next year there's not as much demand for the 2022 cards. And they go, okay, we're going to go back to $3 per pack. That would be awesome. But I'm almost afraid that, you know, once you get used to a certain price, then it's like, that's just what it is. You know, you absorb the pain for a little bit. And then after a while, just you just kind of get used to it. I just don't want the common person who wants to play a game or collect cards get squeezed out. Supply and demand. It'll take care of itself. How long have video games been sitting at 
Yeah, and what is Sony just doing now? Sixty nine ninety nine because I bought a PlayStation Five. I know why that's they jacked it up ten dollars because you made me buy a PlayStation Five. So yeah, so people are like complaining. I can't believe seventy dollars for a game. Well, guess what? Two years from now, you're going to be used to paying seventy dollars a game, and you won't think about it anymore. Because remember, games used to be forty nine ninety nine. 49, and then when they went to fifty nine ninety nine, we went, come on, come on. And now you're like, oh, I wish they'd go back to just $60. Now they're 70 I've got no issue with that one. And the reason why is because the consoles are getting more powerful. It takes more programming. When I when I was playing um, on the Switch, uh, Phoenix Immortals Rising, I believe was what it was. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that thinking, the artwork in this game is amazing. Breath of the Wild took all those years to develop. They need to, I understand it. I have no problem with that. But back to what we were talking about, Pokemon cards, all that. You could go to Goodwill and pick them up. You're going to see the same thing a year from now. You think so? You think eventually this will quiet down? Oh, yeah. Supply and demand. It, it happens. It'll do it. Well, I, I just do know that uh, over at Alpha Investments, as Rudy is saying, he's like, yeah. He said, I'm not sure this is a bubble. He said, I think Pokemon will keep its value, but maybe, maybe the craziness will start dying down. I hope so, because this really made me mad today. This this image that I saw on Twitter, this video on Twitter, these goofballs basically running down the Walmart aisles, crashing into each other with carts, trying to rake boxes into their cart. Yeah, I stopped watching it because all I saw was a bunch of butt crack. That's what they are. It's a bunch of butt cracks. Five-minute initiative begins. In three, two, one. Last year, our two-player game of the year, Shores of Tripoli, I love because it was a historical combat game. Tony, you and I just got to play another historical combat game called 300 Earth and Water. This is uh, being published by Nuts Publishing, but brought to the U.S. by Ares Publishing and designed by Yashushi Nakaguro, who I looked, I didn't know who this designer was, but I looked up, he does a lot of historical combat and battle games. And this is probably a like a 30-minute little board and cube card game. Totally asymmetric based on huh, kind of what the movie is, Tony. 300. You have mm. the Persians. You have the Greeks. You have two asymmetric play styles. And basically, the Persians are trying to go in and wipe out the Greeks. And the Greeks are just trying to hold them back and just survive. But this game, Marty, has an element that I love about it. It has... The multi-purpose cards, small deck of cards that one side will have a, a various text that it can use and the other side will have one. And I like that. I like how that goes into the play where you're having that hard decision to make on how to use a card because a card can be used to move or a card can be used for its text. Ooh, do I want to use it for this reason or do I want to use it for I need to move my fleet? Uh, hard decisions are being made constantly with this game. Yeah, when you first start out, the turns are basically the Persians go first. Right when the game starts, you have 12 talents, and you can spend those however you want. You can spend one talent to draw a card and draw as many cards as you want. You can also use talents to recruit units into cities that you control. Now, this is a small board uh, with cities marked by uh, circles around the board, and you can place units into them, and they're connected by lines, so that it shows you paths how to get from city to city. So then you have to decide, well, how many cards do I want to draw into my hand? And then, like you said, Tony, you're going to need cards anyway, because eventually you're going to spend cards to move units about. So 
If you draw a bunch of cards, great, you can move a bunch of units, but then you also need to spend the talents to recruit units. When that's done, the Greeks have six talents. They have less talents to put out and put warriors under the board, but they have less warriors also, but they also have to use those talents to also draw cards into their hand. But they have the strategical advantage because they are defending their home turf with 300. That's where they're, you may say, well, that seems kind of unfair. Not really. The Persians have got to get there so the Greeks can defend their home base. At first, I was like, man, Marty, this isn't really fair. But as we were playing the game, I'm like, okay, I understand it. Yes, it's heavily favored to the Persians, as it should be. But you stand a chance, and that's where the dice rolling comes in for me. Well, like it's heavily favored to the Persians because of the sheer number of cubes they have, where uh, the Greeks have a lot less. But Tony, how is it balanced through the combat? Because when the Persians have to fight, they've got to score a certain roll number, but if the Greeks score, I think it was a five or a six, they automatically win. So when you do combat, when you're in the same city, uh, you're going to roll one die per cube that you have in the fight, up to three dice. When the Persians roll, a five or a six counts as a four. So the highest they'll ever roll is a four. The Greeks always roll whatever they show on the die. You roll three die, and you compare whoever has the highest value die wins. If you tie, you both lose a cube. And so the Greeks more often are going to win in a battle. And then you have a choice. The person who attacked can retreat. That's like, I'm done. I'm pulling out of here. And then the Greeks can likewise retreat in response, but they're going to win more of the die rolls. So they're tempted just to stay in there and fight. But you also have fleets on the board. You have discs that you can put on the board to move units across the uh, the channel and try to infiltrate into cities. But you also have boat battles too. The same combat rules apply. Now, if you are fighting at home in Persia, fives do count normally because you're in your home city. But outside of that, Dice is weighted heavily against the Persians, and all that Tony balances out to what I think is an amazing game. Some of the cards the Persians play, immediately they uh, may lose. There's one that just automatically kills a king. And when a round is done, you're going to count the number of cities each side's control, and then whatever the difference is, you're going to track that. So let's say after the first round, you have one more city than I do, you get a plus one on the board. And then the next round, let's say I have two more than what you do, then I get plus two, which will shift it back towards me. Then after a certain number of rounds, whoever has the advantage wins the game. And that is totally it. 300, Tony. Man, this could be my two-player game of the year. And what's so sweet is it's that miniature market for only 23 bucks. It's dirt cheap. Yeah, two-player game, dice rolling, randomness. But you got that strong card play. You've got those strong strategic decisions that you have to make at the beginning on spending talents. So don't think of, oh, it just comes down to the dice roll because it doesn't. You, If you play your cards right, then you can have the upper hand as the round continues. I, I really enjoyed the game. Really did. And the cards are super powerful. The text can do super powerful things. But remember, the cards also had to be spent for movement too. So multi-use cards, fantastic. Again, this is 300 Earth and Water, brought to the U.S. Uh, by Ares Publishing, and it's made by Nuts Publishing. And it's available right now at Manager Market for just 23 bucks, y'all. Y'all, it's worth 23 bucks. Get it. Five-minute initiative is complete.
Marty, I mentioned before that that I have a problem. Hey, you know what? I've I've heard that if you want to try to sell something and advertise, what you do is you state a problem and then you give a solution. Am I supposed to have the solution or do you already have the solution for the problem that you're getting ready to mention? They took care of me. So over at portalgamesus.com, mm-hmm. it redirects you to portalgames.pl. So okay. I don't have to say that anymore. I don't have to say portalgamesus.com. And my problem is, how do I know which website to go to? But on the very front of portalgames.pl, there's now a new website address for the U.S. shop. Click here. Look, problem solved. Now I get the U.S. site, and which is now shopportalgames.com. So my problem has been solved. Ignacy has done me a service by providing me that click here button on the front page. The man listens. He is on top of it. Because how else am I going to get my Robinson Crusoe or my next expansion to Empires of the North, Egyptians, which we're going to be talking about later. I mean, if you pre-order it today, you can get it for a 20% discount if you're listening in the uh, back time when we recorded this. Because it may be out by the time this is released, which I think it will be. Be sure to go over to Portal gamesus.com go to the u.s store which will take you to shopportalgames.com i think he should add a few more words just to keep me (laughs) holy cow but i'm very excited and then in another in an episode after this one you will hear us talk about vienna connection very excited to get that played marty very excited Empires of the North has a new expansion. I don't know about you, Marty, but I haven't even mastered the Barbarians, and yet Egyptians is coming. I'm not sure that Egypt is in the North, but I know it's... A, is it above the equator? It might be. I don't know. That's not $5, people. You can, I can Google this right now <laughs> and figure this out. But we have the Egyptian expansion to Empires of the North, and Marty and I got to play a faction each, and... and mm-hmm. I love it when Empires hits the table. I wish we could play it some more so I could learn all the factions. So I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. When you're playing Empires, you need to understand what the other factions are doing that you're playing against so you can kind of help beat them down to keep from running away because that happened to us. We had we had a, a faction run away because we weren't really sure what was going on while you and I were learning uh, Egyptians. But I really like these two. These were really simple. They, they, they're falling in line with barbarians. They have ratings on these on how difficult they are. And actually, this is considered two of the more difficult ones. I don't, I don't look at ratings. It's not kind of like I don't look okay. at Rotten Tomatoes. Well, so for example, yours, uh, the one that you played was the Hatshepsut clan is a difficulty level eight. And I played the Amenhotep clan, which is a difficulty nine, which is high, mm-hmm. which is high for these guys. And we can just give some highlights of what the difference, because these two clans, even with the Egyptians, are, are just totally different. So my thing was, is that I have location cards that can also be boost cards. And typically your boost cards in Empires of the North is, it'll say something like harvest to use this card or sell to use this card. Well, I had locations that I could either build or I could use them as boost. And then some of the cards that once I had them as locations, I actually had to assign resources to them to keep them in play or they would go away. That was called the sustain cost. 
the reason why I had to do that is because some of these cards, Tony, were pretty powerful. Yes, they were. So once you got them into play, you had to spend an extra resource to keep it there in play because then once they were there, I was able to build a nice engine. And again, that's what I love about this game is what I love about Imperial Settlers. It is at its core an engine building game and this clan, the one that I played is no different. So how did yours exactly work? So on my side of it is there was no way for me to gain the apples. I kept calling them tomatoes and you kept correcting me. All right. So for my resource, I, there was no way for me to do that. Oh, but wait, you know, at the beginning when you draft four cards and you have to pick yes. and you discard the workers, you spend those workers that you want to keep mm -hmm. the ones that you choose not to, they be, you flip them over, they have trees on the back of them. And if the trees have little fruit symbols, then that you're planting apple trees. Or if they don't, then you're planting wood. You're, you're going to be, you're planting a forest. And when you mm -hmm. go to harvest your basic resources, or if you've got a field of resources, when you go to harvest that resource, that if there is a worker assigned there, then you will take those trees and you will gather the resources of wood or apple, and then you have to discard those cards. So it's a one-time use that once you go to harvest those fields. Now, if there's nobody assigned there, then you don't gain the benefit. You just get the harvest card that they're planted from. So like if you placed them behind the fisher, the, the place where you're getting fish, then all of a sudden you're not going to get those. You're, all you're going to do is get the fish. You're not going to gather the, the apple or the wood. Also, some of my cards that if you assign workers to them in the upper corner, when you were to rotate them to use their action ability to score victory points or gain resources or something like that, there was, if a worker is assigned here, you would get a bonus. So that was, uh, one, that was one of the things that you had to do. So for me, you're having to use your workers to get them assigned and then be able to move them around and manipulate them. Because if they're not assigned, then you don't get to score points. I found it very difficult to get that engine up and running. But by the second to last round, I said, okay, I see how this is going to work. And I was able to catch up with y'all on victory points. Nowhere did I win. But I think if I were to do this again, I would see, oh, this is how that card needs to work. So it's, once again, with Empires, it's seeing how the work cards work in conjunctions, as it always is. Yeah. And once again, as you can probably tell, these two factions with this in this one expansion are extremely different in how they work. And it's at the point now, Tony, we have uh, four expansions and the base game. And the base game has six factions. Each expansion has an additional two. Here's math. One, two, three, four expansions times two is eight plus six is 14. So we have 14 factions, playable factions right now in Empires of the North. Egyptians is a great addition to this. Out of those 14, these two play totally different than the other 12. All the factions are just very unique in what they do. And again, the, the one that I played, hey, guess what? I'm going to try to get these powerful locations into play and try to keep them into place. Or they also count as boost. And sometimes I didn't use them as location cards. Instead, I used them as boost cards, which also gave me advantages too. This expansion is was actually not designed by Ignacy Tony. It was designed by uh, Johanna Kajanki, who has done uh, you know a lot of design work now for Portal Games, and she single handedly did the Egyptians expansions and did I think a fantastic job on this. 
So just to upset Ignacy, I think this is going to get a squirrely for expansion of the year. <laughs> just to upset. Well, you know what? It's 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 noteworthy. I, I think it is worthy of an expansion. What's so great about this is you're talking about at miniature market, this is only 18 bucks. This oh, expansion, yeah. two two decks, only $18. All of the expansions are 18 I will say, Tony, personally, I think now with the expansions of Egyptians, Barbarians, Romans, and Japanese at 14 factions, I'm very content with where Empires of the North is right now. I feel like I have more than enough expansions to explore and play with and learn. Personally, I think if he never releases another one, and I hope he does because I hope this game has long legs, but if he never releases another one, I have more than enough content to play with. Oh, yeah, just trying to master them. And then you'll eventually find the one that re- you really enjoy, the mm-hmm. one that resonates with you. Really enjoyed Barbarians. I didn't think I could replace you know, that, that one. But now, oh, Egyptians, the one I was playing, that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. I like that assigning of the workers. Once again, Empires of the North, this is not a solo game but you're playing solo you know what i mean marty you're 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 all well, i know yeah I know. I know what you're saying but you know you can't affect others until like you said at the very beginning unless you know what somebody else is doing and what their faction does they may run away with it and if you're not going in there and raiding them and like we kept saying somebody should really tap that one card bert is using to generate all those victory points and we never did our factions really didn't give us that ability to raise him you know, to gain that resource to be able to do that, right? Oh, yeah. You, you need the little uh, the axe uh, mm-hmm. token in order to be able to uh, go and do that. Yeah. I mean, you had to get cards into play that actually gave you that. Uh, that That's true. And that's where the exploring, the islands come in. When you intermix all the islands, because there are two new islands, I think, that come in with the Egyptians here, you might need to go out and find that resource that you are not getting. And that may be it. But in order to do that, you've got to be able to raise. Now, it's in there. There is the ability to generate the the raise token because if you didn't, then you cannot go explore and conquer an island. Right. Yeah. There are three new nearby islands and two new distant islands. And again, I love that about the sale, right? So you have two different islands to go to. And whichever one you go to, you have two different options. Like you can plunder, which just gives you straight resources. Or like you said, you conquer and that gives you an additional location that you can use and also generates victory points and at the end. And again, one thing I like about this one over Imperial Settlers, this is a race to 25. And just every time we play this game, we talk about at the beginning, man, this is slow moving. And then all of a sudden, we're at like 16, 17 points and somebody goes, I can probably win next round. It's it, it's one of those games. I love Euro games where momentum is built and speed increases and doesn't slow down. So many Euros, the f- beginning of the games are real quick. And as the game progresses, the rounds slow down. This is the reverse. It takes a while to start building the engine. But once people's engines are running, the, the victory points just fly off the board at that point. So if Empires is still in your collection, which it should be, if you enjoy this style of game, you know, you always have to clarify these things. Egyptian expansion, definitely a must from my opinion, just because you need a new challenge. You need something else to give people the ability to experience that game, to see if they can master it as well. I really think it's worth the cheapness that you will see over at Miniature Market. 
<laughs> cheapness. Yeah. Eight, 18 bucks at miniature market. And if you want to, you can go out to our YouTube channel where by the time this episode drops, I will have released. I took on the challenge, Tony, of doing should you play Empires of the North and got it in one minute? I wish you could do that for our five minutes. I just need to. I'm, <laughs> that's all you need to do, man. Boil the rules down to a minute. If you could do that, I, I, we'd be golden. So be sure well, to check it out. I, I managed to pull it off. So go follow our YouTube channel, uh, Roll Dice Take Names, and you can see this is the third one. Third one I've released uh, in the shorts, the Should You Play series, and uh, I decided to tackle one that was a little bit more hefty to see if I could pull it off. And I will say that my original script was a minute 30 seconds, so I did have to cut Mm -hmm. to get it down under a minute. So again, that is Egyptian Expansions, Empires of the North, out right now. All right, Marty, I don't know how much longer my back can take it not being in my easy win, ch- E-win chair, easy, E-win chair, which by the way, that RDTN code still works, last I heard. Yes, it does. And they said there's been selling a lot of chairs, so thanks everybody for uh, supporting and using that code. It means a lot. They do track that stuff, so we really appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, I know I'm- I think it's what, I think it's what RDTN RD10. If you go out to, uh, I think it's like 30% off. That's right. That's crazy. It's a comfortable chair. I will tell you during the winter, it got a little, it was warm. That leather was Mm -hmm. warm on, I tell you what, keep my, get me warm now with the shorts. You got to be careful. Don't stick. Don't want to stick to the chair. So a little talcum powder down there. Absolutely. You know, cause, okay. Before I start talking about nubby soap again, let's move on. So I am missing out on two game nights. By being down here mm-hmm. in our um, Bradenton office, I'm not missing out on games. I've been playing, let's see, uh, we've played After the Empires with my um, daughter, her boyfriend, and my wife, and it took us four hours. I'll, oh my gosh. Are you serious? That I tell you what, we'll put that in the show notes for 231 to revisit that. Yes, it took four hours to play. And it wasn't, I, I it wasn't the game. I don't understand how. To be continued. Okay, to be continued. Okay, let me just ask this. Did they like the game? Noah did. Rebecca did. Donna, not so much. Okay, all right. We'll talk about it next episode. We'll talk about it next episode. Just There's some fun stories there. But while I've been here, I have taught my mother-in-law a game that we've discussed in a previous episode. It was Stronghold Games Bravo, which is the re-release of Knock Mall. She has Mm -hmm. really enjoyed that rolling right. So I am playing games, and I mean, we've been playing cards, of course, Five Crowns, Old Peshaw, and then I also brought down, of course, Bonanza to give that a try, and we played Ticket to Ride, and I won. I finally beat my daughter in Ticket to Ride. I was very excited about that, and then, <laughs> and then on Wednesday, we got Wingspan coming out. So I am playing some games, but we've already talked about them. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. We played uh, last week while you were gone. I did build a custom deck for Vampire Rivals mm-hmm. and uh, tried it. I was the only one that tried a custom deck. It was uh, it's, it's a learning. I, I'm trying to make something crazy. It was basically no attack cards are in the deck at all. I'm trying to stay in the haven with my coterie and basically just trying to attach titles and win schemes and grab agenda points just as fast as I can. But that is a multiplayer deck. 100% it's a multiplayer deck, yes. And that's what's interesting about this. If I'm playing a two-player game, it will be a totally different deck. 
And I think that's cool. There, that is cool. I'm trying to remember in Lord of the Rings, did we build decks for multiplayer or did it, you didn't really have to? You didn't have to. You, your, your okay. deck, your, your fellowship worked regardless because you, you always kept the same fellowship. Now, if you had a lot of high value Urukai or goblins or um, Easterlings in your shadow portion of it in multiplayer, you would get hurt. Those cards would be dead because somebody may take tokens from you. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you may have to adjust your shadow. It's amazing that I remember this so well. That's just how much I love that game. Well, guess what? And don't forget. I know. My still plan at the end of this year, I'm looking at two still sealed starter decks from the very first release. And on our 20th anniversary of when this game comes out, I want you and I to get together, do a live stream of playing again for the first time in many, many, many years. Okay. And hopefully we'll do a better job than we did with War Chest and the rules. Which unfortunately is one of the most watched YouTube fiasco. I don't understand. I don't understand. I like, I kind of just want to take it down because it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Like nobody watched the other ones where we did get it right and did have no issues. It's the one that was just bad that everybody's watching. It's the number of views we got on that's just stupid for our channel. Yeah. And you know, it's a train wreck. You cannot turn away from a train wreck. It's bad. It's it's deserve, it's worthy of all the down thumbs it's gotten. Uh, that's okay. Hey, sometimes, you know, down thumbs don't hurt you. No, actually, actually, they say that any kind of interaction, up or down, comments of any kind are always good. Speaking of comments, remember, come join our Discord channel because uh, every time I mention that, usually right at the episode drops, we get a few new members coming in there and people are having a great time. Tony, I don't know if you saw this past week, TR mm-hmm. Knight ran an RPG uh, for the three or four people in the channel, and they used uh, our voice channel over on our Discord channel to run it. I dropped in to see how it was going. For some reason, I couldn't hear them. I could see them, but I couldn't hear them. So I may have had a technical issue on my side, but it looks like they were having a fantastic time. I'm glad, and I appreciate TR Knight doing that. Maybe next time we can get on there. Yep, yep, and maybe we can do so. I've I've said I would love to play a Vampire the Masquerade RPG, a one-shot and some people said I, they could do it for us. So uh, if you're not part of our Discord channel and you would like to run a Vampire the Masquerade one-shot, please join. If you are on there, let me know. I just want to see how the system works. Uh, this this it, this universe is kind of interesting to me now. It's just one of those things. I just want to see how basically you play as a vampire and the moral ambiguities that you would have playing as that type of role. And I just want to see how the system in general works as far as test, combat, etc. I just won't be able to get on and use Discord. That's the big thing for me. I, I get on there once a week. I know I'm very bad about it. I get on my phone. I hate typing on my phone. I read everybody's comments. I just, I need to just start using the speaker button and re- just forget it. Don't even worry about auto-correcting it and just let it go and let people try to figure out what the heck I was trying to say. Well, and actually I'm looking over there right now. We're actually talking about magic cards coming out with the secret layer and their new themed versions of magic cards and they're coming out with Lord of the Rings and 40k. I will be tempted to buy some of the Lord of the Rings magic cards. I will too. We'll see. I mean I mean I know how to play magic, so yeah. I mean as long as I don't Oh. 
Speaking of which, another tease, another thing that you and I are going to try, we got the starter decks, Monarch starter decks for flesh and blood. Not saying that's going to game that we're going to get into, but it's a very, very hot CCG. And since the thing that got us into this space is CCGs, this is a hot one. So it'd be interesting. You and I just sit down and play it. It's like, to me, I thought, oh, it's magic, but everybody who has reviewed it and talks about it said, no, 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 it's it's not magic. In fact, in fact, I've seen articles that compare it to Netrunner, so I really want to see how how that works. So when we have the chance, you and I can sit down and play starter decks of Flesh and Blood and just see what we think about it. Once again, Marty hype. I understand we're not going to play it. Oh, look here, we're buying all this stuff. Look at you. No, I didn't say nope, nope. I didn't say anything about buying because this is another one of those hot products that can't stay on the shelf because of the supply and, and demand. But this is a small company that's had amazing success in the CCG space in the past couple of years that is unheard of uh, when you got magic out there crushing everybody. But this one looks like it's actually going to hang around. Hey, do this. Take your chances, head into Walmart early and roll the dice. Only thing I'll be doing is taking the names of the idiots that are trying to take away Pokemon cards and the kids who want them. Thanks everyone for listening and don't forget we want your best dad jokes send us an email at rolldicetechnames at gmail.com or fill out our contest form we'll read them on the next episode and the one that we like the best gets a $25 gift certificate to miniature market also marty down here in bradenton there was another one that had tattoos games and comics <laughs> i did not go wait, into wait, that wait, store wait. You, you go in, you buy a comic, maybe trade some magic cards all while you're getting a tattoo. That's it, man. And you think Only our, in Florida. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>